How are you guys doing? Welcome over here to Speak the Truth. This is episode 53. I get to do a little bit of hunting over the weekend, which I'm pretty excited. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a quick little story if you guys aren't over on the Uncut channel. What I'm talking about is Uncut Outdoors. The, the name has changed on from Google Uncut to now Uncut Outdoors, which is good. I posted a video there the other day, and I, I, I wanted to go take Cammie hunting for the first time. Her first time ever hunting. And I, for some reason, I don't know why, maybe just because I had already purchased a license in Oklahoma, I didn't really think about it, but two and two together that she needed a hunting license to get a deer tag. So that was some of an awkward conversation. We get up to the blind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy our deer tag real quick. Cause you know, we got there a little early. So I'm, I get on, I'm like, Oh God, it's asking for the number. It's asking for them. So I had to let, let her know inside the blind that she's been, she's been waiting in for this past week, like waiting to get up there and to go shoot a deer. We get up there and she cannot shoot anything, but she has actually accomplished the mission that I didn't think she was going to because I probably wouldn't have done it or got it done myself. She has got her license. So we're going to be going out over this weekend, and she's hopefully going to put down this buck that's been there the last three days. Three days in a row it's been there. It's a great first-time hunter's buck. I love it. I hope she gets to shoot it. That's going to happen over the weekend. But what I was going with that is I killed this uh, this big, big boar with a 300 wood mag, if you guys haven't seen it. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's kind of, it's kind of, a sta- it's kind of crazy, the amount of actual lead a, a pig can take. I it's, it's really crazy. In that video, it really shows the amount of lead that a pig can take. 300 wind mag. I shot, I'm not going to tell you where I shot it because I don't want to get myself in a little bit of trouble here on the old tubes. It was really astounding. I mean, I've killed, I've, I've killed pigs in multiple different ways. And that night we realized those things are just like a big sponge for lead. But we're going to kick it off with this one. So California's got a zero bail policies. We do know they actually set every single Criminal. So they're, 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 they're people, but they're criminals. Set them all free. Yes, you heard me right. Very goofy stand, Very goofy things going over there in California. So LA police recently arrested 14 suspects in connection with 11 smashing grab robberies in the city that have been going on in late November. But all 14 suspects are now back on the street. This is how goofy these, these liberal ran areas, like this is so goofy. So all the suspects were actually taken into custody or out of custody right now, either as a result of juvenile, of being a juvenile, or the others as a result of bailing out of zero bail criteria. Back in March, the California Supreme Court ruled that judges in the state must consider a suspect's ability to pay when setting bail prices, in effect allowing indigent defendants to go free pending further legal action unless they are deemed too dangerous. Earlier this week, officials in San Jose and Santa Clara County slammed the policy, blaming it for release of two homicide suspects who authorities have linked to a Halloween murder. In another case, the state's Nobel policy resulted in a car theft suspected uh, suspect being arrested 13 times over 12 weeks. 13 times over. Imagine being a cop in that area. You arrest the same. I think I actually said this yesterday. I literally said this in yesterday's uh, podcast. Police officers have to deal with the same criminals over and over and over again. And literally, here it is, right here. The same suspect was arrested 13 times in 12 weeks. 13 times. And I know that because I was out, I was, when I was out on the ride with the, the, that police officer the other day, when I was out, I, I was out for 12 hours. He was telling me all this stuff about houses and, and like, like really just stories. Like, you know, kind of like I got war stories. They have stories from literally just around the area. He's telling me about people. He's like, yeah, that's so and so's house. I've arrested him three times on, on X, this, 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 and this. I was like thinking to myself as we're driving around, I'm like, Man, this guy has to show up to these houses so much that he knows exactly where these people live. <laughs> like, what the hell? Anyway, LA stores were struck 11 times between November 18th and 28th, costing businesses 
$338,000 in stolen merchandise and more than 40 grand in total property damage. Now, the one point I, I dislike the most about this, and which I can't really understand, that judges in the state must consider a suspect's ability to pay when setting bail prices. That should not be a standard. You should not be looking at an individual and say, well, their net worth or, well, they're, they have this much money in the bank or, well, they're able to. That's not the way you should be setting bail. Which bail should be set based upon the crime they've committed, not the, the ability of the person to pay the bail. That is, that's, that's so ass backwards. Like if you have a wealthy guy that commits the same crime as a poor individual, the bail should be the exact same, no matter how much money they have in the bank account or not. The individuals, the person committed the exact same offense and the same crime, so it should be judged according to the crime that they've committed, not how much money they have in the bank. Me saying it out loud like that, should just make you really reconsider if you live in California, living in that state. Like, why are you there? If you, I, I get it. You might have family there. The weather might be great. But me just saying that out loud should make you really reconsider the policies they're setting in that state. It is really mind-blowing to me. Like, maybe some circumstances I could see changing the bail for a certain crime for a certain individual. Like, if they're a repeat offender, if they've done it multiple times, I get it. Like, that kind of stuff. Adjust it accordingly, but never base it on the amount of money that they like. Imagine if Jeff Bezos commits the same crime as one of these gentlemen. You know, imagine how much. <laughs> I mean, please leave us. That's goofy. When he said like that, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of goofy. Give me one second. I got to check cameras. I got it's going off from the top. We got to make sure. We got to see. We got to see if it's the same little buck. It's gonna make me really happy. That right there is a doe. There he is, chasing. Oh, dude, that's a really good photo of him. Look at this. Here we go. I actually might, might be able to see this on camera. This is way better than my first deer. Right there? Oh, yeah. You guys see that deer right there? I think he's, I think he's a great first deer. He's a symmetrical eight-point. I mean, he really is. He's got – I mean, me personally, I would shoot him probably with a bow. Like, I would take – like, if he came through my, and we're at, like, late season and I'm, and I'm sitting in my stand and this thing comes through, sitting in my, my tree stand, that is, and he comes walking through, you know what? I'll probably send it. I'll have two tags most likely this year because I probably won't take one with a rifle. Anyway, I don't know where we're going. I don't know if you'd like to guys hunt or not, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. If she if, if that one actually comes through and stays true, which the pattern that it's in right now, it should be there tomorrow morning, hopefully coming through. I don't know. Deer been really weird this year. Really weird. All right, Team Biden, one of our favorite teams on planet Earth, but they should be because they're the Team America, right? <laughs> team America. So Team Biden here. When a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, CVS, Nordstrom's, Home Depot, until their cells are clean, you think that'll be because of the pandemic. This is actually what Peter Ducey has actually asked. Peter Ducey is a gentleman who's always throwing, just throwing bombshells at Mr. Sa- uh, Mr. Saki, Mrs. Saki over there when she's, I give her credit. You know, she doesn't really take as much as Trump's lady did right, right now. I can't remember her name. Well, it's going to, Laura, Laura. I am so sorry, I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. She doesn't take nearly as much as me. She responds like this. I think root causes in all communities is the pandemic. That's how she replies. That's not even close to being true. If that was, a, if that was the case, that should have been something you might be able to say like three months deep into it or two months deep or six months deep. Not almost two years deep. Let's, let's be honest here. Two years deep. I think they're just doing anything they possibly can to shed light that they didn't defund the police. It's the pandemic's fault. Saki didn't stop there, though. She also suggested that big bad President Donald Trump failed to a lot. Enough federal money for local cops while Biden, by contrast, upped the aid. Oh, really? 
All right. Local crime is supposed to be dealt with by local communities and local funds. The smash and grabs are no more Trump's fault or COVID than is the nationwide surge in murders. That's the other way to look at it. If they want to blame, I guess it's one thing. If they want to blame, that's the crazy part. How do you blame a previous president when you've almost been in office for an entire year? Like, you know how goofy that makes you look? Especially as being an adult. Especially an adult that's been in office for 50 years. How do you blame? <laughs> that is really, really goofy. You get her name? Kaylee. Kaylee. Yeah, it's Kaylee. Yeah, you're right. It's Kaylee. Anyway, blue states have removed consequences for crime via measures like bail reform, lower penalties, higher thresholds for felonies, and assorted legal handcuffs on cops, which we all know. Woke prosecutors refuse to investigate crimes and charge criminals, judges over convicts, lenient sentences, and set them free altogether. That's, that's literally the, the biggest problem inside those more blue areas. Very, very, very much more leaner on crime, or lenient, excuse me. Hell, look at Austin. That's, that's the craziest thing to me. Austin but literally just pretty much got rid of police altogether. They have the highest murder rate they've ever had in history, along with Oregon. Jeez Louise. I don't even need to talk about that because I've talked about it so much. We're just going to kind of move on from that. This is this is another thing. So I was actually supposed to be in Germany next week. I believe, yeah, I was. I was supposed to be in Germany next week. After next week, excuse me, like the middle of the month. So in a couple of weeks. I am so glad when I was down in Mexico, I decided to actually cancel the trip. And my reasoning for canceling the trip wasn't because of COVID or anything like that. It's just because I had so much stuff stacked in December. I just wouldn't have had time to actually enjoy the trip because I would have been knowing me. I know I am. I've, I've done this a few times now. I kind of stack too many things on my plate during a short period. And then I get somewhere and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the only thing I think of. Is like, oh, I got so much I got to get done. I haven't got done. I know that's what was going to happen. Thank God I did. Germany is is locking down, which is kind of crazy. When I mean like locking down, I'm not, I don't want to make this as a, a, a bad joke, but we all know what happened last time Germany locked down their, their country. It happened, I don't know, a little over 80 years ago. But Germany on Thursday announced a nationwide lockdown for the unvaccinated. As its leaders back for plans for mandatory vaccinations in the coming months. I also didn't know that Germany was one of the lower or lowest vaccinated countries in Europe. I didn't know that people were so against it over there. I had no idea. When, I'm in, when I was in France, I, I, think, I think the news portrays things much differently than what we actually see. Australia, France, Germany, all these places, they actually have tons of, I don't want to call them riots because they're actually not riots. They're just people demonstrating kind of how BLM has demonstrated, except on a lower scale. They're not really actually throwing stuff through windows. They're actually just walking around holding signs and screaming. That's generally how demonstrations are supposed to go. They're not like, yo, let's pick up that trash can and throw it through the window. That's not a demonstration. That's a riot. Anyway, so unvaccinated people in Germany will be banned from assessing all but the most essential businesses such as supermarkets and pharmacies. Those who have recently recovered from COVID-19 are not covered by the ban. I hate to make the, 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 the same comparison to what happened in like the early to mid thirties, but cause it's not the same thing, but it is when you, when you ban a certain group of people from being able to do things, it's not a very good look. You know, it, it really isn't. It's a terrible look. So you're basically ousting a bunch of people that just cause they don't want to get a vaccine. They're not allowed to do anything within the country. Even if they've lived there, they're entirely like they're citizens. You're not allowed to do anything. You really think you're going to have any people coming there to travel. If I would have got this news, I'm like, I've said, I'm vaccinated. Because I like to travel, I've, I'm not really scared of vaccines. I've had so many in my life. I don't even. It's kind of crazy. I was I was filling some paperwork out the other day and was asking about vaccines. It was not not like it wasn't asked about COVID. It was asked about like all the other ones you're supposed to get. Like I don't even know which ones I've had. And then one of the, one of the questions was, have you had meningitis vaccine? And I got to thinking, 
I have no idea what was shoved inside of my body. And there's no military records that are like given to you. We're like, oh God, you've had this so many times. I know I've had anthrax at least a handful of times. At least, because I know that's one of the most painful shots you could get. That sucks. That and penicillin. Penicillin just feels like the peanut butter shot going through butt cheek, but I don't know how we got on this conversation. That's what goes on in my head. That's if you guys want to know on a daily life of Robert Turkle, there you go. You just you just witness it. Sitting there eating eggs, thinking about something. I end up in China. That's literally, (laughs) I don't know how it happens. Oh, man. Proposals for mandatory vaccinations, which if voted through the parliament, could take effect by February. And the earliest under the tightened restrictions on vaccinated people can only meet two people from another household. I don't know. How how are you going to regulate that? Bars and nightclubs must shut down in areas with an incidence rate of over 350 cases per 10,000 over one week. And the country would limit the number of people at large events like soccer matches. How is it? Can I, can I just, how is it that we've been at this for almost two years now? It's a year, 10 months, year, eight months, whatever it is. And we're going, they're going right back to where it was. How is how is that even possible? This is a, it, it kind of, what did I say the other day? Coronavirus is nothing more than the infinity logo. It just keeps going like this. Different points of that infinity logo are different parts of this pandemic that just keep reoccurring, reoccurring. Same so thing over and over again. Vaccinated people lose their vaccination status, by the way, nine months after getting their last shot, apparently an effort to encourage a booster uptake. Greece also has announced that vaccines must be mandatory for people aged 60 or over from mid-January. Those refusing to do so would face a 100 euro fine for each passing month, the government said on Tuesday. So now Greece is mandatory, making it mandatory for people over the age of 60, which doesn't really bother me since those, I mean... That's most most of the people that are actually being affected the most. So the one way that I look at it that I still don't really understand is if the vaccine is so effective, like if it's so effective, I you can get I know you can get the flu even if you've had the flu vaccine. So same thing with coronavirus. But if it, but if it is actually that effective, why are they so worried about the people that have it? Like why should, why should they be worried so much? Like I, I still that's a hard time for me even being a vaccinated. I I have a hard time like wondering why does it matter. What that person does with their life. If they want to risk getting it, then they can risk getting it. But well, how does it affect me? If I'm vaccinated and the vaccine is so powerful and so strong, then why does it really matter? You know what I mean? You, like I'm, I'm, It's still one of those things that's kind of confusing. And I think that's why a lot of people have a hard time getting it. Because they don't want to be told what to do, for one. Because I know how human beings are. We all know how we are. We don't be told what to do. Anyway, move on. U.S. and Russia. Gosh dang it. This thing is looking like a little bit of a... Anthony Blinken actually threw his whole sack up on the table here this week, which is kind of kind of an odd thing to do from anybody in the administration that we have now to do. I do think that we know that uh, Russia tested Obama, and they tested him enough to actually um, go into Ukraine. And Obama didn't do anything really about it, let's be honest. Nothing really happened. Guess what happened when Trump took office? Not a single lick of anything happened over there in Ukraine. It stopped. And they know that, that stuff would have probably happened that they didn't want to happen. Now, there's worries that Russia is going to invade Ukraine even more. Guess who's in office? The same administration that was in office, essentially, back in 14, 13, 12, 10, all those, all those same people. Secretary Anthony Blinken warned of, a serious conf- uh, warned of serious consequences if Russia sought conflict with Ukraine. The meeting comes as Russia boosts military near the border. I've actually spoke about this prior, I, I mean, a couple of weeks back, I believe. I in a podcast, I was talking about the amount of troops that have actually been stationed on the border. And this one's saying that Russia has amassed more than 90,000 troops. The number really hasn't changed. I pretty I recall it being around the same when I talked about it a few weeks back. 
But Moscow, of course, denies it's preparing an attack to Ukraine accuses, uh, and accuses Kiev of its own military buildup. It's kind of goofy. It's, it's accusing a country of building up its military force within its own country. The United States is willing to facilitate that, but if Russia decides to pursue confrontation, there will be serious consequences. That's exactly what he, uh, Mr. Blinken has actually added, which I don't really know if they're talking about militarily, that kind of consequences. I'm pretty sure they're just talking about, I don't know, maybe sanctions. Hit them hard. Hit the, hit the oligarchs, they'd call them. Because, the, I mean, you got to think about Russia's biggest producing of, of capital for them or cash would be oil and gas and energy. If we hit that, then they don't really have any other sources of income that are major. But after I dug a little bit more, Russia uh, apparently is planning by January to attack Ukraine, which I find that kind of strange where they would get that. But this is this is coming directly from Ukraine, by the way. They, they say they may be gearing up for a large-scale military offensive at the end of January. That's from the defense minister that actually spoke to parliament this, today, like as of right now. Ukraine would only do anything to wouldn't do anything, by the way, to provoke a situation, but was ready to fight back if Russia launched an attack. He said the Ukraine was pr- uh, pressing ahead with the construction of two naval bases on its south coast. Yeah, he goes on to state that the, the, the intelligent analysts, all scenarios, including the worst, note that the likelihood of a large-scale escalation from Russia actually exists. The most likely time to reach readiness for an escalation will be the end of January. I'm going to say right now that since this is public, nothing's going to happen at the end of January. That'd be very strange. But Moscow has set out demands for legally binding security guarantees from the West that NATO will not admit Ukraine as a member or deploy missile systems there to target Russia. I don't know if that's going to happen. Escalation is a likely scenario, but inevitable. And our task is to prevent it. We must take the price of escalation unacceptable for the aggressor, which I kind of do like that. That's what I'm saying. If Russia does and is the aggressor once again, I think they should hit him so hard that so hard between the eyes. That's, that's probably the main reason why Russia hasn't done anything is they know that we could just hit them with sanctions and hit them with everything else. And they're not going to be able to make a dollar. I mean, they're going to be like Iran. Cut off North Korea. How about that? They're still going to work with China. That's another reason why it's kind of a goofy thing that, I mean, I think we should be doing more against China myself, but we're not really able to. I mean, you got Russia and China who are pretty much, I'm going to call them frenemies. That's the best way to put it. They both want to be in charge of the world, but they also want to be friends because they're both two and three. They, don't, they know they're not going to be number one. So they kind of got to be frenemies. Kind of like, uh, what is it? Italy and uh, Germany in World War II or Germany and Japan. It's a better way to put it. Germany, Japan, which is kind of crazy. A lot of people may not realize this. Japan only entered the war because of oil. So this one right here I'm about to talk about, it, it actually came out yesterday. They're talking, it's been updated today. Came out late yesterday in the evening. What did you, I would assume, I'm kind of confused that no one's actually talking about this. This should be, I thought this would have been posted up all over Fox News or something. This was not even from Fox News. Where did I even get this? I actually got this from the Washington Post. A little bit more left-leaning. Well, not a little bit, but a lot more left-leaning. It's definitely not on CNN. For sure, not something CNN wants to talk about or put on their posting on their homepage. But I'm kind of confused at why Fox isn't isn't talking about it. It's kind of a good. It's a good thing. Maybe they're doing it because they like to a little bit fear monger their 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 audience when it comes to the the borders being overrun. I don't know. I really don't know. But I mean, it it kind of seems like something they should talk about. Anyway, the Biden administration has actually reached a deal with the Mexican government to restart the Trump era Remain in Mexico program that requires asylum seekers to wait outside. U.S. territory while their claims are processed. Implementation of the program, formerly known as the Migrant Protection Protocols, will begin Monday at one border location and quickly expand it to seven cities in a separate court filing. The return of MPP is an awkward situation for the Biden administration, which is still formally preparing to end the program, even as it brings it back under court order. 
Yeah, that's got to be super awkward. They're looking to end a program they were forced to bring back by court order. That's weird. Under terms for the new record, the Biden administration will offer coronavirus vaccine doses to asylum seekers placed in the MPP program. U.S. officials have said adults will be offered the J&J vaccine and eligible, eligible minors will be able to read two doses of Pfizer. So I, that's one of the things that I thought we would have been talking about. or They would be talking about. I don't know why they're not. They're not talking about it at all. They're just talking about terrible jobs numbers and, and, and stuff about Biden pretty much. I know it's kind of weird though. If you think about it, like what what Fox brought up this morning, they're talking about how for some reason it's a big deal that um, Biden hangs out with Fauci more than than his wife. And that's kind of a strange thing to be talking about when this they this is something they would probably want to speak on since this is something they're always advocating for in the entire time. We need to get people vaccinated, close down the borders, and they do, and they're like, all right, we're not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> oh man, it's kind of crazy. A lot of people that watch this thing think I'm like biased towards each one of the news networks. I'm, I'm not. I just speak on it. CNN just tends to do a lot more not so common sense things as 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 Fox does. Fox does stuff that's kind of crazy too, kind of like that. But it's not crazy, but just stupid. But they do a better job when it comes to actually. If I would if I would just be biased, I'd probably pull ninety percent of my stuff from CNN just because it's easy to say, "Wow, this is pretty stupid." But a lot of the good reporting actually does come from Fox. Communities nationwide have been outraged by the recent months of string of high-profile cases in which criminals with lengthy rap sheets allegedly committed heinous acts. As we do know, which has happened here just recently, this is uh, something that's now coming shed a little bit of light, and I thought this was kind of a good thing to talk about. You all know Daryl Brooks. He was arrested November 2nd for allegedly assaulting and running over mother of her child, then released on just a $1,000 bail on November 16th, less than a week before he plowed through. It says allegedly... So we'll say it allegedly plowed through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin, killing six people and injuring a dozen others. Just months before that, he was actually freed on a $500 bail in February for allegedly firing a gun at his nephew. The 39-year-old convicted sex offender with a lengthy criminal record dating back more than two decades, including charges for weapons offenses, assault, battery, assault, battery, drugs, bail jumping, and statutory rape. All right, setting the precedent here. Precedence here. That whole thing. That that one incident, which is kind of a major incident, which I still feel it needs to come up with terrorism charges or hate crime charges. One of the two need to come out of that. Hopefully they do. Has stemmed a whole bunch of other stuff, which is not really talked about in the news, apparently. Gentlemen, Semi Williams Jr., a 39-year-old man with a 16-page rap sheet in Florida, was arrested Wednesday in an unprovoked stabbing death of a 14-year-old, Ryan Rogers. Rogers left his home in Palm Beach Gardens for an evening bike ride in November 15th, but never returned, prompting his family to report him missing later that night. His body was recovered on the roadside the next day. Williams has been arrested 10 times in Florida for battery, domestic violence, unlawful possession of a weapon, and other offenses. His most prior arrest came in 2016 when he was charged with aggravated assault for alleged strangulation in Fulton County, Georgia. This is the kind of thing I don't really understand, and you're gonna when I read through these, it's gonna, it might make a little bit of you guys a little bit more concerned and a little bit more angry as you realize how many more of these these habitual offenders are on the streets. It, it really is kind of crazy. We're talking this guy's been arrested 10 times and has a, what was it, 16-page rap sheet in Florida alone. It's, it's just out there free willy-nilly walking around. There's another one. This one's pretty bad, too. And I, and I like talking about these because no one is talking about it. No one even talk, brings this stuff up. I don't know if it's just because it's offensive or not, or I don't, I don't really know why, but it is true. It is what it is. Houston Police Department officers were assigned to a major offenders division, were attempting to serve narcotics-related warrant at a home on September 20th. 
when Officer William Bill, uh, excuse me, William Jeffrey, who goes by Bill, was fatally shot by a 30-year-old Dion Ledet. Officers knocked on the door and asked to speak with Ledet, at which point the suspect came out and immediately opened fire on the police, killing Jeffrey and critically wounding a second officer, which was Sergeant Michael Vance. Ledet was also killed in the ensuing gunfight with police. That's, that's why I'm a huge advocate for police and the things that they do. I mean, this is one of those kind of calls. They're showing up to a gentleman's house. Okay, they're going there to serve a warrant, I believe is what it was. So they're showing up. They know that there's probably some, some issues that could arise with this gentleman. But they just never know what could happen. That's why I always say you got to put yourself in their shoes. They don't know you. They don't know what situation's going on. So they always have to treat people the exact same way. They're, 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 they're protecting themselves at the same time as protecting the public and putting themselves in between turds like this guy right here, Ledette, and the actual normal public. So Ledette is a 30-year-old who has an extensive criminal history, including 18 arrests for felony drug charges, burglary, evading arrest, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and other offenses. What in the world is this dude doing on the street? 18 arrests for felony drug charges, burglary arrest, or burglary, evading arrest, excuse me, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. It's, it's, just, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. They're letting these people out on the street. Yes. Also, Houston ha- is one of the, I'm going to say Houston. If I were to rate cities in Texas who are probably the most dangerous, Houston is most likely going to be number one on the list. I actually probably should look that up right now. I'm going to. But if I had to guess, I'm going to say Houston is probably the most dangerous and crime-ridden city, riddled city, excuse me, inside of all of Texas. Yeah. Okay. So I, it states that it's number seven on the list, but when you scroll through all the, the six cities before it inside of Texas are all really small ones. So it goes off of population and, and numbers like that. But the biggest city that's on this list, Houston, Texas city is number seven. Yeah. Houston, you have a one in 97 chance of experience violent crime and a one in 25 for theft or arson. Yes. And that's one of our bluer cities inside of Texas. So yes, Houston is a pretty bad. It's kind of I was making the joke inside the cop car the other day. Actually, I was like, if I were ever to become a police officer, it definitely wouldn't be in Dallas. And he goes, No, no, no. You should say Houston. I was like, I was thinking about okay, yeah, you're right, Houston. It actually would probably be Houston, Austin, Dallas, the three places I would. Ne- if I personally were to become, I would never want to be a cop in either one of those cities ever. No, 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 no. Mainly because he was in charge in those cities. It's not because of the police force. It's it's like who's in charge of the actual city. It's just blue as all can be. And this is the kind of stuff you got to deal with. By the way, this is the 138th person, one of our officers over the last two years that has been killed by someone out on multiple felony bonds. That comes directly from um, the Houston Police Officers Union, the president down there. I'm just kind of putting on the point. I know there's more to go through because it actually, this, this next one's even more crazy. Why this, this one is in Florida of all places. Actually, it's probably down in Miami if I was going to guess. Uh, Brevard County, I'm pretty sure it's down in Florida. We looked it up for me, is Miami. Pretty sure Brevard is actually down in Miami, if I were to, if I were to guess, which is going to be more blue. But here we go. Here's this one. Listen to this. This one's, this one's crazy. This guy definitely 100% should have never left a jail cell. Outside of Orlando. Orlando? Okay, well, still looking at a blue area. Brevard County Sheriff's Deputy Brian Potter's entire uh, Toman pulled over a driver on August 30th, and they were ambushed by the occupant of the vehicle, Paris Wilder, a 38-year-old man who Sheriff Wayne Ivey called a violent career criminal. All right, you guys ready for this? So picture, imagine this going off inside of your head. There were 60 rounds that were fired during the shootout. 60 rounds. And this was a routine stop. Trap, well, it wasn't routine. I'm sure they pulled the place and they found out who it was. And they knew to kind of get some backup. But what I'm saying is 60 rounds for a traffic stop. 
I think it was Wilder, was out on bond for drug trafficking at the time and had a lengthy rap sheet, including at least, listen to this, this is big, 40 charges for attempted first-degree felony murder. That was one of the charges, by the way. Aggravated assault with, with, while discharging a firearm, battery on law enforcement officer, and other offenses. This case is a perfect example of what is wrong with the criminal justice system when a registered career, career criminal with 20 Three felony charges and 17 misdemeanor charges, multiple convictions for violent events, and two active impending drug trafficking cases is out on the streets where he can attempt to kill our deputies and put our lives at risk. There's something wrong with the system. That is very true. Think about that. 20, 20 how, how is that even possible? 23 felony charges. And the dude's walking around willy-nilly out there in Florida. That's kind of wild. Latif Williams, 17, was arrested earlier this year for allegedly carjacking a victim at gunpoint in Philadelphia, but was later released from jail after prosecutors withdrew the case based on a key witness failed to testify. On Wednesday, he turned himself in to police following a Sunday killing of a 21-year-old Temple University student, Samuel Collington. Collington was found by police officers with a gunshot wound to his chest and back after police received a 911 call about a man with a gun in the city's north side. Before he was released, Williams was facing charges of assault, robbery, possession of firearm by minor, and other offenses stemming from Jan- July incident. This is one of the incidents we are talking about, I, I believe, a, a, an individual at this young of an age is really manipulated by the music they're listening to. I believe a lot has to do with, I, I've said this in the past, a, a person that, well, it also has to do with, with how they're raised as well. But I think it has to do with social media and the, and, the, and the music they listen to and how they want to betray themselves to their friends. Like this is this 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 young gentleman Latif Latif Williams, seventeen, just ruined his life. Like imagine at seventeen, I was doing a lot of stupid stuff at seventeen, but I, I mean I wasn't willing to do this. This guy has so much. I couldn't imagine. I look back at seventeen. That was that feels like so long ago, and I couldn't imagine sitting in a jail cell this this entire time of my life. Like you know how much stuff I've I've done since seventeen. Two wars, multiple businesses, a kid. Like, like what? Like, this guy's not going to have anything. Yeah. This is the last one, by the way, we'll talk about. Ariel Maynor, 29-year-old, was out on patrol with multiple prior robbery convictions when he allegedly shot and killed 81-year-old uh, Jacqueline Avant in her Beverly Hills home on Wednesday. About an hour after Avant was shot, Mayor, um, excuse me, Maynor uh, apparently shot himself in the foot in the backyard of another home. L.A. police officers in the department's home, uh, Hollywood Division responded and took Maynard into custody. Surveillance and city cameras captured him traveling away from Avant's home, according to police. Maynard was also sentenced to five years in prison in 2014, or excuse me, November 14th of 2013 for second-degree robbery and inflicting great bodily injury. He was again sentenced in 2018 to a four-year prison sentence for second-degree robbery enhancements with a prior felony conviction, but was released in September of this year. So he was arrested... Uh, with a with a uh, five year sentence in thirteen, he got out five years later, committed another crime in two thousand eighteen, and then got a four year sentence, which was he just got out, and then a month later he goes and kills a lady. What? What is? And then this guy shoots himself in the foot. I'm gonna say right now, I I, I don't really I don't I don't I, I personally don't understand it. This kind of goes back to the very beginning. You shouldn't be letting people out based on the amount of money that they have inside of their pocket. You should be basing it on the crime that they committed. This guy. Is one of those kind of guys, clearly is a habitual offender, should be staying in prison forever. Keep him in there. I know there's some stuff messed up with our prison systems, but for this this is this one right here is is fairly easy. You know what? Just lock him up, throw away the keys, just don't eat, just forget about him. Because they clearly aren't gonna change. Especially somebody we the guy we read early, 23 convictions. Yeah, 23 felony charges. You think you would have figured it out after maybe the tenth one? 
or eighth one. I don't know, maybe the fourth. How does somebody get through 23 felony charges and stay walking around in the streets? That one, that one right there kind of blows my mind, actually. 23 felony charges. So we'll end on this very last one. Job numbers, I know a lot of you guys don't care about them. They're kind of confusing right now, honestly. They added uh, 210,000 jobs when they were actually anticipating. I think the, they had 550,000 jobs, which is kind of crazy. But the unemployment rate dropped to the lowest it's ever been to during the pandemic, which is 4.2%. Like I've already said, this is an artificial boost of economy after the coronavirus because it was our economy was always it was thriving before it. So where's it going to go? It should go exactly where it was after and, and back beyond even better. We would if we wouldn't have jacked up the entire. I mean, just imagine if they didn't jack up. Um, the logistical problem that we have in America, we'd be doing great. The American economy created fewer jobs than expected, and uh, they're going to have. A, I think they're going to have a difficulty attracting actually new people. But this is the weird thing that's kind of because of the new COVID variant. It'll keep people staying at home and trying to get unemployment. But uh, this is the weird thing: the labor force participation is up as employment is up uh, 1.1 million. But the payroll survey only shows 200,000. 210,000 jobs. To me, it's kind of confusing. I don't really understand that. I think they're going to have to adjust those numbers because you can't have people... You can't add 1.1 employment participation, but only add 210,000 jobs. It's a little strange. I don't know. doesn't really matter. I'm just going to throw it out there. I guess the stock market is going to react. It's probably going to go up, honestly. And the only reason why it's going to go up is mainly probably because the unemployment is down to the lowest number. So, which, it's it's fine. It needs to. We had a brutal week. Brutal 10 days. But I hope you guys did enjoy this video over here. Uh, let's let's hope that next Monday we, we have a lot going on with our life. We're going to expect to see a uh, reaction video on Sunday on this channel. If you guys are over on the YouTube channel, I do love you guys. I will see you guys here uh, next Monday on the podcast. I do love you guys. I'm out.